Hey, I hope you're having a great day today. Welcome to Daily Dose. Hope you join us today as we dive into scripture and we take a look at what God's word has to say for us today. Hey, how are you doing today? I told you I was going to release this extra daily dose uh, because of I wasn't able to finish everything in our sermon yesterday. As we began to talk about the triumphant entry, there's several more things that happen in between what we're going to talk about next week and what we talked about yesterday. And so one of those things uh, was the cleansing of the temple. And I read just the very beginning of this, and I want to go ahead and read this to you again. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 21 and read with me in verse 12. It says, Jesus went into the temple and threw out all of those that were buying and selling. He overchanged the tables and the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. We read this verse yesterday and it's impertinent that we look at a few different things out of this. In fact, if you remember how Jesus performed acts, he typically didn't come in a judging manner, but what he was doing was he was showing the hypocrisy that had really kind of moved into Israel and especially the temple because what had happened was the people that were traveling for the Passover, they were selling of the sacrificial animals. Now, this was meant to be a convenience thing. They were selling the sacrificial animals so that most of the time uh, you didn't have to bring it with you. But what had happened was that corruption had kind of snuck in a little bit. What happened? So in those days, you were required to bring your lamb, your Passover lamb for sacrifice for your family. And so if you traveled long ranges of miles, there was an opportunity for your lamb to be damaged or hurt or injured. And so in that event, your lamb was no longer perfect and therefore could not be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. And so the idea of selling wasn't exactly the bad part of this. It was actually meant as a convenience for those that were traveling. They would sell the perfect animals. However, what had happened was that the inspectors of the temple were in cohorts and they were taking a cut of the profits. And so if you were to bring your own animal and the temple inspector tells you it is not worthy, you had to go then buy your own animal. And this was where a lot of the problems came in because it got a little corrupt to where the temple inspector would tell you that your animal wasn't perfect and you had to go buy a new animal and he would take a cut of that purchase of that profit. This was extremely uh, disheartening. This was extremely wrong. Because even if you could bring your animal, it would be deemed as not worthy. There would be an opportunity for that animal to not be worthy. And, and so what Jesus saw was not just a convenience thing. It wasn't necessarily that it was the convenience that was wrong. It was the, it was the corruption that was happening in this. In fact, 
what's even more astounding is that the more you study the account of the scriptures is we actually have this happening before as well. Remember in the very beginning, right after the wedding of Cana in, 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 uh, in, um, in John, in John chapter two, in verse 13, we have this account again. The Passover Jews were coming and, and the temple was found to be selling oxen and, and pigeons and and the money changers that were sitting there. And he whipped them and he drove them all out and he turned the tables. This is, this is a different account. Jesus did this at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. And we see that what is amazing is that they didn't learn. Three years later, the temple was again filled with these defiled religious business leaders. And they had turned the court of the Gentiles into this big bazaar, like this big shopper's nightmare. They were just upscaling everything. Now, we have... We have written in historical documents the price gouging that was happening during this time. For example, to give it a modern day kind of idea, if you were to go buy a, a bottle of water, for example, at a gas station, they're about a dollar fifty now. There they've come up a lot. I remember when they were fifty cents, but they were about a dollar fifty. If you were to go and buy a bottle of water at a sporting event or something like that, it's about $9. And we see this significant increase in price gouging because they know they've got you where they want you and you're going to pay it if you're thirsty enough. And that's exactly what was happening. These these sacrificial sheep or, or, or doves or lamb, what was happening was the people were required to pay significant amounts of money for these things, much more than they were even worth. Even even as the perfect specimen as they were, much more than they were worth just to be able to perform the sacrifices. So, for example, let's 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 put it this way. If you were to be able to buy a sheep today for about $200 a head, if you were to be able to buy a lamb for about $200 a head, it would be roughly equivalent to about $10,000 to buy it at the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but $10,000 is a lot more and a lot bigger than $200. It's significantly more expensive, and this was exactly what was happening because, like I said, the the court inspector, the temple inspector, was deeming people's sacrifices as blemished, as unworthy, even if they might not have been, so that they had to purchase the lambs in the temple. And this was a huge problem. This was a significant problem. The Jesus called this a den of thieves because that's exactly what they were doing. They were stealing from the people because even though their sheep or lamb wasn't blemished, they were required to buy one because of the temple inspector. And so it's, it's important because a place of thieves is called a den. And what we see here is the religious leaders that were here, the Pharisees were allowing this. They were, they were, they were probably taking a cut out of this as well. I can't pr- I can't prove that, but it's almost guaranteed that they were probably in on it and they were probably taking a cut on this as well. Remember, the Pharisees had very wealthy lives. They were the people 
They were the people and the persons to listen to. And so uh, uh, what happened was is God wanted his house to be a house of prayer. In fact, we see this again in 1 Timothy, that, that true prayer is, is, is dependent upon our faith in his word. And these people had completely rejected his word in order to make some money. And there's an account that happens directly after this. And in fact, as, as uh, we leave and we see God moving and God working in verse 18 of 21, it says early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry and seeing a lone fig tree on the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. At once the fig tree withered. And when his disciples saw it, they were amazed and said, how did this fig tree wither so quickly? And Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. If you believe and you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. This is an amazing account here because Jesus comes up and he's hungry and it might seem surprising that Jesus would curse a tree, but it's the same power that killed the tree that also it gives life and, and fruit. Jesus can't hold the tree morally responsible for producing fruit, but it was fruitless. It was a worthless tree. If it was not producing fruit, it was worthless. And it's a stark resemblance to how our lives as Christians should be. We are called as Christians to be fruitful, to be disciple makers, to be on mission. And if we are not doing that, then we are missing out on our entire purpose and our entire point of being Christians. God wants us to produce fruits in the lives of his people because fruit is the product of life. And it's the presence of fruit that that teaches people how God moves and how God works. And if we are not showing people exactly how they can bear fruit, then we are failing as Christians. While we can make this a personal uh, thing, the main application of this was that Israel wasn't producing fruit. The time of judgment had come. But we talked about yesterday how God coming to Jesus coming to Israel was not an act of judgment. It was an act of mercy and an act of grace. Because otherwise... We would be eternally separated from God. It's through God that we are here. It was through God that we have hope. And it's through God that we have power in his word. Jesus used this event to teach his disciples a practical lesson about prayer and and about faith. The temple was supposed to be a house of prayer and the nation was to be a believing people, but they had wandered so far away from that. that They were just like this tree. They were withered and they were dead in their faith. They had trusted so much in what the Pharisees were leading them that they forgot completely the word of God. And what's amazing is as we begin to see how God moves and how God works, it's amazing to see that we kind of lose a lot of focus on God sometimes. We lose a lot to the point where Jesus is going to confront the Pharisees and he's going to pronounce woes upon them because of their misleading and the mishandling of God's people. The the misleading of God's people. 
as a pastor, I take that extremely critically because that is terrifying to me. Misleading God's people is absolutely terrifying to me. Every time I handle God's word, I ask God to just take my influence completely out of it because I don't want to mishandle the word of God. That is my biggest fear is mishandling the word of God. That is why we must continue to be students of God's word because without it, we can very easily mishandle the word of God. It's amazing to see how God moves and how God works in the lives of his people. In fact, if you look back in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to the temple and were healed by Jesus. And the children came into the temple and they were shouting, Hosanna. (laughs) And Jesus replied to them in verse 16. It says, you have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and the nursing babies. He left them and he went out into the city of Bethany. I love this because it teaches us that even the children, even the faith of children praises God and how it takes more faith for us to have less faith in Jesus, to have less faith in God, because we try to rationalize and move things together on our own. You know, when Jesus' authority was challenged in the temple in, in verse 23, He said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you authority? And Jesus answered them and said, I will ask you one question. And if you answer it for me, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did John's baptism come from heaven or was it of human origin? These people discussed it among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the crowd because everyone considers John to be a prophet. And so they answered Jesus, we don't know. This was detrimental to the Pharisees because it was in this moment that the Pharisees admitted to Jesus they did not know him. They did not know God's word. They did not know the prophecies. They did not understand what was coming about. This is detrimental. This is like me getting up in the pulpit on Sunday morning and saying that I don't even believe in God anymore. That's how serious this is. Because at this point, the Pharisees are giving Jesus exactly what Jesus already knows. They're telling Jesus that he already knows. And he says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. (laughs) It's amazing. It really is amazing to see how Jesus cleanses the temple twice in his, in his life. But what's even more amazing is that we see that people just don't learn. People don't learn from their mistakes. They don't learn from, from what God is doing and God is doing in their lives. They, they're just like the people of, of the, the Israel and the Exodus. When God provides them water, a few days later, they're complaining, pretending they don't know where on earth they're going to get food. That God surely can't provide for them food. But God is the provider of everything. God is the provider and the mover. Listen, read on to some of this stuff in between now and and the, the Last Supper. There's so much stuff that we can get and we can see from this. 
Jesus is going to talk about some more parables. He's going to make some prophecies. And, and guess what? The people are going to miss entirely what Jesus is saying. But I can tell you one thing. That Jesus, through this, is beginning to work in everything. When the crowds cry, who is this? The answer is he is the one who makes us worthy. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, you are made worthy of salvation. Because he looked at you and he said, you are worthy. Come to me. Follow me. Take all of your selfishness, all of that, and put it away so that you can follow him today. Hope you've enjoyed this. I know it's a little bit longer than our typically typical daily dose, but I wanted to get these things and talk about these things so that we can get caught up before next week. I hope you have a fantastic day and be sure to check in for a daily dose tomorrow.